You're listening to the All Sport Breakfast Podcast with Darcy Waltergrave from Newstalk ZB. We're joined now on the All Sport Breakfast by Portia Bing, who's got a wee bit of an adventure coming up uh, at the Lovelock Classic, excuse me, over the weekend. Portia, welcome to the program. Thanks very much for joining us. Tell us about this. This is a this is a big meet. There are a lot of athletes there, and it does have a wonderful historic embrace, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, a pretty exciting event to come through. Um, I think one of the key things to point out is that it's such an early competition, very early in the year. Um, keeping in mind, we're actually the New Zealand athletic domestic season started in November, so it's all well and truly kicked off. But for a lot of athletes, I've been um, training since you know October, November, December, going really hard, just starting to get into the groove of things, looking for a competition. But all of a sudden, everything in New Zealand shuts down over the Christmas New Year. Um, so I think that's one of the big draw cards for this um, competition is that just the timing of it's amazing. Um, it means that you know you can have a little bit of a break over the Christmas year for just a week or so, and then you can come out, do a competition, see where things are at. Um, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. Also, normally in Timaru, weather plays a big part as well, so it tends to be nice and sunny down here. Um, which is a big thing, especially when you're based in Auckland and it had been raining a lot. It's been raining for decades, mate. I know exactly what <laughs> I I get it. I, there was a bit of sun. Honestly, I've seen it this time around. What it was for your training and for what you're looking to achieve over this year. Where does that sit within that scope? For me, this is just the it's just a season opener. Um, and like I said, the timing's perfect because after coming back from the World Champs, we, I had a little bit of a break, and then you kind of do three months of build up. So we do kind of that base work, working in the gym, working in technique, um, and we're now just going to go out there, and it'll be kind of a measure. So the reason I go through and do things like one, two, and four. Um, is because, one, it's a little bit of a training run where you want to see where your speed's at, where's your speed endurance at, and where's your overall fitness. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when you were just a kid, it was so easy to get out there on an athletics day and you do everything, the one, the two, the four, the eight, the 15, you may as well do the shot put while you're at it. Um, but then when you hit 30, all of a sudden you do a one, a two, and a four, and it feels like you're doing a half marathon. So, um, yeah, so there's a few – I guess that's the thing is it's just a, for us it's a marker um, to see where things are. And a lot of athletes, I think especially the athletes who have been overseas, they really enjoy using these local competitions for things like that to be like, hey, how am I tracking towards our national championships? How am I tracking towards – um, the Oceanias, which will be in June. How am I tracking towards an Olympic qualifier? Um, so it's a really good competition for that type of thing. I like your description of being a child and involved in athletics. Is that why you got into heptathlon? Because you were one of those, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I originally did heptathlon because, yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't choose. I could do a little bit of everything, um, and that's how it all started. But then I did get to a point when I left heptathlon um, where I realized how much time it takes. Um, and it's actually quite funny because when I was at World Champs, one of my friends um, who I did heptathlon with and had trained with, she actually won the World Championships. And I think for all these years – She's still been at it. She trains five or six hours a day doing all those events. And here I am just, you know, lining up to run my one lap with 10 hurdles. Made me feel a bit lazy. <laughs> but satisfied. Why the move? Why a particular uh, 400 hurdle? Why, why did that uh, tickle your fancy? Um, I went to 400 hurdles because I think there was a little bit of a to be honest, there's a bit of a gap in the market. Um, it always helps um, when you're trying to make internationals to think where are things at. Um, but also for me, one of the big things was I could hurdle and I ran a reasonably good 800, 200. Um, so it just made 
uh, a lot of people who understand track and field just say it makes sense. Um, but if you don't know track and field, it makes no sense because there is no 400 meter hurdles in a heptathlon. So yeah, I just, it was just one of the things I'd actually was living in France for a while when I was doing heptathlon and one of the coaches had said to me, he's like, I don't know why you don't 400 meter hurdle. And I think, um, he entered me in a competition one day and I actually did all right. And then from there we thought, ah. Oh, well, the training for this is a little bit easier than heptathlon and you can, you know, go back to university and do what else, whatever else you want with your life as well. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Uh, so the balance, and I'm interested in this not being an athlete myself, by any stretch of the imagination, but going from heptathlon to go to something like this, the the strength v. the speed v. the endurance v. the the skill required to get over the hurdles, that's in itself quite the art but do you think suitably the way you compete the way you run that you can tick all those boxes yeah it's a it, it is a little bit different um i guess going into a more technical event when you do heptathlon you were i was never super technical or anything but in saying that there is definitely that side of things when i turn up to international competitions um and you know there's some of those um very very top girls who are winning they're so well refined in what they how they hurdle because i've been doing it for so long so there's always that disadvantage when you start a little bit later but i always like to think you know, you're never too late to start because I, I didn't start, I don't think I started 400 hurdling until I was about 26 or 27. So um, I always tell people that I'm like, oh, you're never, you're never too old to change events. You can still make a world champs or do something else. Um, so, yeah. As far as your success and your transition um, at, I'm not being ageist because I'm nearly dead, but at that age, <laughs> is, that, is that a challenge? And is this something you believe you get the best hurdlers as they get into their late 20s, 30s? Is that how it rolls? Yeah, a lot of, I mean, you're always going to get the, the ones that come out when they're 19, they smash it, they get a medal. Um, you're always going to get the outs, uh, the outliers. But overall, I think there's a massive trend, especially in women's sport, you look across the board, um, a lot of them are doing track into their mid to late 30s even. Um, so it's, I guess that's just because the sport's becoming more professional in the way that we train and understand Um understand how women train and how they react to training and stuff is getting better so yeah I think hopefully you can do it for as long as you want and I always think that you never again like I said you're never too old to to start doing something or to make that change all I would say though is your probably your fear when you're a little bit younger is a lot less so as I getting older I kind of understand now the risk you'll be doing something and you think oh, there's actually quite a big risk in doing that, whereas when you're a little bit younger, you just, you know, roll with it. You think you're invincible. <laughs> yeah, granted. Portia Bing <laughs> is our guest ahead of the Lovelock Classic. I can't help but thinking about the, the social aspect of an event like this as well, with the athletes coming from all over the world to, to focus. Is there much of that, or are you all pretty insular? I uh, know it's a really good community. I think track and field, um, just because it's quite a small or um, sport or has been in the past, um, it's definitely growing. It's, yeah, you kind of know everybody and you're welcoming. It's really exciting when you see other athletes from overseas. And it's been really great because we've seen a lot of athletes who's come from overseas. You'll see them at competitions. So you might see them in Australia or you've seen them at Oceania or actually you see them in Europe. Um, so I think that side of it is really cool. Um, as well, see, so yeah, it is actually even though it's an individual sport, I like to think it is quite um, off the track. Definitely, it's um, quite social, and yeah, I think everyone's pretty good friends. And as far as your progression toward Paris, what's that looking like? What do you have to achieve? Yeah, so after around fifty four eighty, so I think the biggest thing to 
to think is that you know for like for every athlete an olympics is always a goal but the difference between having that goal in your mind and actually reaching it there's about 30 different steps in between and a lot of small things you've got to achieve um and there's a lot of things that need to line up um as well so i think the biggest kind of focus would be about you know ticking off those small achievements as you go um and learning to adapt um being adaptable is quite a big thing especially in something like a four hurdles you don't get to choose. There's a lot of things you can't plan for. You know, you can't plan for what lane you're necessarily going to get or the weather conditions. Um, there's so many different variables as well. So I think that's kind of one of the biggest learning curves I think I've had um, in the last few years as an athlete is learning to just be adaptable um, and, you know, being, being able to be a little more flexible around things. That kind of helps you get to those goals. Um, and sometimes it doesn't always go straight and you're going around in circles but if you get there in the end it doesn't really matter right <laughs> no it doesn't and we're going to leave you shortly and thanks so much uh, for your time how good is it you got a new million dollar track to run on the lovelock lovelock classic timaru must be very very proud of that and it must be hugely exciting for the athletes yeah it's really exciting to have a new track and i think that's the um it's going to be a really big draw card. I think there'd been, a, you know, there's a few tracks around New Zealand now, but a couple of them are really, really run down or had the day. So I think it's really exciting when we start to see new facilities. Um, and the cool thing that you th- see when you get new facilities and new tracks as well, that's when you start to see really good times because your surface, um, you get a lot more return as an athlete, especially a sprinter um, and stuff as well. So we're hoping you'll probably see some really good times um, and actually some of the younger athletes that are coming through as well. For some of them, it'll be their first time running on a brand new track, so they might be able to surprise themselves with some big PBs on the day. Going to be huge. Love it, Lock, a classic in the Timaru. Porsche Bing, thanks so much for joining the program. Look after yourself and, again, little wee tiny improvements all the time and you never know where that might take you, but I think you know where that's going to take you. Looking forward to watching you rise and rise, huh? Great. Thanks for having me. For more from the All Sport Breakfast with Darcy Waltergrave, listen live to Newstalk ZB on Saturday mornings or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.